You are listening to DG Talks, a podcast brought to you by Delta Gamma. Each month, the Delta Gamma host will speak on a different topic, covering a wide range of interests for our sisters. We look forward to engaging with you on social media about other topics you would like to hear, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Today's speaker is Ginny Gilbert of Beta Kappa, Kansas. Ginny currently resides in Missouri and is a social interventionalist in the school setting, embarking on her 12th year in the education sector. She will share her tips for successful distance learning. Thanks, Jenny. Hello, Delta Gamma sisters. I thank you so much for inviting me to speak to tips for parents during distance and online learning. Uh, This is a topic that I imagine a year ago you never would have imagined yourself needing to be educated on, but here we are, and I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, I know that many of you are living in states that are rolling out phases of learning plans and what the plan for learning at a distance is going to look like between distance learning and virtual learning and traditional seated instruction within the classroom. I live in Missouri. I live in a small rural town in Missouri that is opting to align with the traditional format of seated instruction. So I will be going back to work five days a week in the traditional setting where students are seated lecture style in their classrooms with appropriate sanitation um, and health guideline measures taken. So that's pretty unique. However, I love and respect the fact that many people are returning to learning at a distance, which means that your children will be in your household uh, doing their best to get their education and learn, which it's something that I want you to look at it a positive way is your kids are always learning in your classroom. You're just going to start in your classroom, aka your house. And we're just going to learn how to structure that up a little bit more. I've created 10 tips for parents during this time. Um, and so I'll dive right in with number one. Number one is remember your number one job as a parent. Uh, when this beautiful child came home with you from the hospital or however you've acquired this child through a adoption or various means, your number one job, no matter what, is to love your kids and do your best. Start that as your mantra each day. I love my kids and I'm going to do my best. And whatever happens from there, align every expectation, every moment with I love my kids and I am doing my best. Give yourself that grace. The theory of grace will come up a lot through this podcast. So just, just hold tight. Um, kind of aligning in as a piggyback off my number one tip of knowing your job and loving your kids and doing your best is make sure you have some good self-care in there. Uh, I've fallen deep into the Rachel Hollis, Dave Hollis world of 30 minutes of movement and adequate hydration every day. That little component of self-care has meant everything to me during this distance learning experience and really just created a better overall person of myself, better parent, better teacher, better all those things that I need to be. So I have that self-care routine down and it's contributing to uh, my ability to really handle this well. And additionally, knowing your limits and triggers. Examine just for a minute, what is your feeling towards school? What reputation does schooling and learning have in your brain? 
I'm very privileged. I came from a family that had great experiences with school. School was meant for us. It's meant for achievers. Uh, we've pretty much all gotten straight A's our entire learning career. It's been easy for me to take tests. And I have a very positive reaction when I think of school and learning. Probably why I work in a school now. Um, that's not the case of every person in every family. That's not the case of every person's experience. School hasn't always been a positive experience for each person. And, and take the time to recognize that in yourself and, and be aware that your reaction to being a teacher might not be excited because maybe your experience with school and learning wasn't the best. To dig a little deeper on that, um, be aware of what your experience and triggers are with various subjects. Uh, did, did math cause you great fret while you were a student? Are you a person who, when math is put in front of you now and anything with numbers, you seize up and get a little bit anxious? That, that will be apparent to your kids. Your kids are smart. They're going to be able to see reactions like that. And I caution you to be aware of what those triggers are before you engage in this teaching experience where you've acquired a second full-time job as a distance learning teacher, supervisor, and while maintaining your full-time job. There's stress associated with that. Be aware of what other stressors may be added just by triggering events. Okay. Number two, identify expectations for your house's schooling. <laughs> when you come to school, we have rules. We're guided and our behaviors are guided by rules and universal expectations within the building. Create those in your house. You know, before you get started, are all your materials supposed to be out? Have you looked at your options for what you're doing that day? Is there a time where parents are unavailable to be interrupted because they need to take care of their job? When is, you know, when are you allowed to snack all day? I hear so many parents saying, my kid just wants to snack all day. How much do you guys snack at school? I can assure you, we snack one time. We have lunch, we have breakfast, and there is a snack embedded somewhere in that process. Our kids, nor can we afford to feed our kids snacks all day. So just be aware and try to create those expectations for learning within your household. Um, one way to create expectations and align to expectations is creating a menu. One of the best parts of distance learning is you are in control of how and when things take place and task accomplishment takes place. Uh, in our house, we were very aware that writing was a trigger for one of our kiddos. Um, they would be cruising along and getting through the school day just fine. And then all of a sudden, writing got put in front of them and kabam, it was bad. So I started to create a menu of options where if that if they wanted to get that out of the way first so that they could enjoy the rest of the day, they did. If they wanted to hold it off till last, they did. I also included other things in the menu, like physical exercise, doing a go noodle video, um, going on a virtual field trip, doing a STEM activity. There's a lot of things that you can, oh, doing chores, being aware that you're a citizen of our household that needs to contribute via chores was another component of the menu. And knowing that the expectation is the menu needs to be finished each day, regardless of what time it happens, regardless if it's you start at 7 a.m. and end at 7 p.m., the menu of items needs to be completed each day. 
that's something that just worked really, really well for our household. Uh, tip number three, push for independence. Oh my gosh, your student, your child has a full-time teacher living in their household and it's you. That is something brand new to them. When they are in their traditional school setting, they have a teacher that they share with many other kids. And believe me, that teacher will give them some individual attention, but it is fleeting and quick. And they do not get to sit with that teacher all day and complete all their work with someone tapping them on the shoulder saying, how are you doing? Are you getting through it? They, that just doesn't happen. They are forced to be independent learners within their classroom the majority of the time. So really, really push them to be independent learners in their household. They're going to want to be by you. They're going to want approval for every little thing that they have completed, but share with them that they don't, you're, they're strong enough. They don't need that approval. You're going to be there at a certain time of the day to look over it all and praise on them and love on them. But as you work to complete your full-time job too, there's going to be times where you are not to be accessible. You are going to have to be separate from them and they're going to have to get the work done. Um, in my house, we created a sign, created a sign that said no bother zone. And that meant if they saw that sign up, it meant I was in a Zoom meeting or I was deep diving into one of my work tasks that had to be accomplished and they needed to problem solve otherwise. In the traditional classroom, this happens to them too. When a teacher's working with a small group of students, it's really known as a no bother zone. When they look up and they have a problem, but that teacher's busy with another student, they need to problem solve. They need to think of how they can possibly take care of that problem without the interference of a teacher or a grown up at that time. So push for that independence and allow those kids, your kid, your child, your beautiful student to create that great skill for themselves. Okay, number four, team with your teacher, team with your classroom teacher. She loves your kid. She wants what's best for your kid. I can't tell you how many teachers during this process have said, oh my gosh, I would never curse a single bad word about that one student that I disliked so much. If all of this would go back to normal, I would love on them and I would never be mad about anything that they do. <laughs> Believe me, I'm sure that's not your child, but your teachers love your kids and they still want what's best for them. It is killing them to not be teaching them in the traditional format and building that relationship and having that everyday face-to-face -face and interaction with them. Collaborate with them, attend the classroom meetings, figure out wh what works best, anything that you're seeing at your house in terms of your child refusing to do work or um, having a barrier to certain kinds of work is probably something your teacher has seen, if not with your child, with another child and can offer support and other ideas and perhaps even modified assignments to support you getting through that process. Um, they they are just the experts at this point and they will know best what to do. Please keep them in your quote unquote tribe and keep them part of your process. Okay, this is tip number five and it kind of piggybacks off what tip number two was. This have a schedule. 
Making a schedule helps your kids feel safe. That's one of the reasons that school is so enjoyable is it's very predictable. You know when is when what is happening. Every day we have recess at this time. Every day we have lunch at this time. This will fight your battle of, I just want another snack or I'm hungry all day. There's times for having snacks. There's times for lunch. You will show all of those activities on a visual schedule for your kiddo. Um... If they are the best learner, most focused learner during the morning time, then create that academic heavy time during the morning. You know, even in the school setting, our kindergartners, the majority of their academic focus is at the beginning of the day. And then, gosh, if they can make it through lunch, we have recess specials and uh, like pack up, stack up easier academic expectations in the afternoon. Just know what's what's best for your family and your kid. If learning in the morning is just not successful, push it back. Start learning at 10 in the in that morning and go until 7 at night. Allow your student that freedom to work with what's best for your family's schedule and your personal schedule and just create that safety for your child knowing when is taking when is what taking place. This allows for you to change the schedule too based on family events that are taking place. If you guys are looking to go on a vacation that day, you can change your schedule around. Think about it at school. Anytime we have assembly, we change our schedule around to best suit the needs of our building. You are have the opportunity to create a schedule that best suits the needs of your household. Moving on to number six. This again, sort of piggybacks off number four. Work with your teacher to best understand what your child's level of development is. Are they on grade level for reading? Are they on grade level for math? Where are the skills that they foundationally they might be struggling with that you can really pound extra work on in order to fill that gap, fill that foundation. If your district's curriculum is being sent home for a student that is on grade level and your child is either above grade level or below grade level, it doesn't make much sense to align their learning to something that is going to frustrate them or even be too easy for them. Work with your teacher to figure out ways to meet your individual child's needs whether that's um, work that is pushing them beyond what is being given or kind of differentiated, which means changing the way the work looks to best suit the needs of your individual child and your individual learning. So really work with your teacher to best understand. I know they send stuff home and with their report cards that tells you where their learning level is. Personally, um, if I was a non-school person, that would be very hard for me to interpret. Uh, I take issue with the way our district does it because one, I think it's sent home at a reading level that is not in alignment with what a lot of our parents are reading at. Um, and they, it's overwhelming and it's confusing. So if you've gotten that and you can't understand what that means, or maybe you just crumple it up and throw it away, reach back out to your teacher to really assess where is your child at and how can you meet them at the place where they need to learn. Okay, moving on to number seven, create opportunities for socialization. Um, I'm blessed to have both my dad and uh, Willie's, that's my boyfriend's parents around, and they're of that baby boomer era, and they are, hey, they need to be back in school because they need the socialization, and I know they're saying that as a compliment, that they need to be back in school, but it still hurts my feelings because they need the academics just as much as the socialization, but um, there are things that take place in school in the realm of 
socialization and social emotional learning that are so difficult to replicate in a distance learning scenario. So creating those opportunities for learning, for socialization and and social emotional learning are going to be a little more difficult as we do this, but it's, we're up for the challenge. We can do this with the era of FaceTime and Google Hangout and all these things. You can definitely create many, many opportunities for socialization. I also encourage you, if it's safe in your area, to create opportunities for meeting up with friends, hanging out with friends, seeing other people um, at a social distancing measure, of course. I will remind you that parallel play in this day and age is just as good as what we used to have as traditional play. Um, if you have two kids social distance and doing the same activity, that is still an opportunity for them to be together and socialize together and problem solve together, even though they're not sharing and doing other hands-on activities that we traditionally associate with quote-unquote play. So be creative in those opportunities. I would even push as far to say that, gosh, any age group is good to socialize with if they can, if there's neighbors create a time where kids are riding bikes, socially distance appropriate. Um, Create a time for them to socialize with their grandparents. Any FaceTime, any socialization is better than none. Uh, I can even attest to myself after coming out of certain quarantines when I had to be around large groups of people, I was like, whoa, and I'm, I'm an extrovert. So make sure that we're still preserving that opportunity. Uh, I'll get to this later when we talk about resources, but there's just so many good social emotional resources out there too that are offering free programming during this time to support your child's social emotional growth. Moving on to number eight, stay positive and strong. This is not always easy. I am one of those people that laughs at, hearts, likes, anytime someone posts a meme about the struggle of parenting during the time of COVID. Uh, I saw one yesterday where it said, let's be honest, my kindergartner is going to be attending Nintendo Switch Academy and I'm just going to try to wait till 5 p.m. to drink every day. Uh, I... I think that's hilarious, but I also understand the pain that is behind that. I understand the worry. I understand the stress and the anxiety of what is it going to look like for me to have a full-time job and also take on the full-time job of monitoring my, my child's distance learning. It's hard. It's, it's intimidating, but you've got this. Stay positive. Really focus on that self-care and what can build you up and give yourself grace. No one has ever done this before. You are the first person being in charge of your child's learning at home. No person's ever done this. You are rewriting the rule book for this. And just in every moment, try to take a glimpse of how has COVID made you a better parent? How are you becoming, how are you acquiring another skill set? How is it making your child more resilient and strong? How is it giving them a skill set that is preparing them for a new way of life or transition to life that will constantly be changing as we evolve as a society? Um, So really try to look at the positive points and give yourself grace. And sometimes that might mean taking a sick day as a family. It might mean that you need a sick day from distance learning, that it's just not going to happen that day. Again, linking back to tip number one, your number one job, love your kids and do your best. Sometimes doing your best might be distancing yourself from, from distance learning that day. Okay, number nine. 
this is something that I have loved. Again, looping off that positivity is we have the opportunity to teach our kids some skills that have gone by the wayside in a traditional school setting. Um, we don't teach cursive anymore in school, by and large. We don't teach memorization and multiplication facts in that style where you have one minute and you have to speed through a sheet of paper writing down the answers to every multiplication fact. We don't teach some of that stuff anymore because other things have taken hierarchy or the the particular evidence-based theory that your school district is using doesn't align with that practice anymore. In your heart, you may still believe some of those are good. Personally, I think memorization of multiplication facts and addition facts and flashcards and all that still have their place in education. Guess what? They sure have their place in distance learning in our household. We have worked with flashcards. We are working on cursive. And the beauty of this is, as I mentioned earlier, one of our huge power struggles is time for writing, journaling. Uh, as soon as I say, all right, here's your journal. It's time to write your response to this passage or this paragraph. And the meltdowns happen. Well, guess what didn't happen anymore? Meltdowns when I said, Lila, you could write it in cursive. Oh, well, I've acquired this new skill and I can write it in cursive. That's so much better. No meltdown, battle over. We have a writer because she's learning cursive and she's excited. This also gives you the opportunity to expand on your own child's interests. If your kid loves dinosaurs, connect dinosaurs into the process. Educate on dinosaurs. I can promise you we don't do huge units on dinosaurs anymore in school. Kindergarten expectations are just too high. We don't get to do that stuff. Um, teaching your kid how to create a Lego set and create a Lego design. We don't have time for that type of play in school anymore. If your kid loves STEM, look to integrate a STEM activity into your daily or your weekly process. Uh, you go on virtual field trips. You know, we tried to integrate a piece of our menu into learning fine arts. And we, you know, would go on field trips to Picasso's museum and how to create your very own Picasso. So it really gives you the opportunity to expand on skills that may not traditionally or even just specific learning things like Picasso that we just may not do in school anymore. We may not have the time to afford focus and attention to that skill. So it's kind of fun and it adds something that maybe you're excited about and your child's excited about and affords for some of that collaborative time. All right, last but not least, number 10, know your resources. Aside from your school district and your child's classroom teacher as the biggest resource of all and connector of all, she will, she or he will be the expert that will guide this process. There's tons of other resources out there. Khan Academy is a great resource. Um, I'm lucky enough to have two children that are pretty gifted and pretty smart. And so they need that enrichment piece and Khan Academy has afforded us getting them that step further and meeting them at that where they're at grade level and, and giving them some of that enrichment activity beyond. Uh, emotional ABCs is another great one for lower elementary kids who are looking to develop some of that social, emotional, emotional management. Uh, I love it. It's free. There's so many free resources out there. Uh, teachers Pay Teachers is another way. If you like hand worksheet, hand done worksheets, if you're more, if your learner is more of someone who would prefer doing work Worksheets, you can search by grade level, subject level um, for other enrichment activities associated with what you are hoping to enhance in your child. Uh, there's just a ton of other social emotional programs like Social Express um, and 
various other uh, just, I would say, virtual enhancement activities that can help that are free. You just have to Google it and you will be able to find these activities to support your child's learning at a distance. Uh, there's times that your child will fly through what is expected of them. I know that in our school district, learning at a distance means if you're in seventh grade or above, they're looking for an hour and a half of direct instruction and an hour and a half of independent work. But as you move lower and to lower grade levels, um, their expectation is to do work for about 45 minutes. And that leaves a lot of time with the rest of the day. So, Use those resources to help shape your schedule and shape your day because you're still going to have to get work done even when your child's not focused on that 45 minutes of work. Um, if I hope that this has helped. I hope that I'm shedding some light and some, I guess, hope and grace on your journey through the distance learning. I encourage all of you to just have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of DG Talks. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook at Delta Gamma. 